Good morning. How are you guys? It's great to be here. As, uh, as Roger said, my name is John Wiley. I'm one of the elders here, and the elders have decided that once in a while, Pastor Ben gets a day off. Although I don't know if this week's been much of a week off for him. I know he's been busy on a roofing job. Is he here? No? And his, his brother Travis has been here helping him. Now, I don't know if they've been getting along. I don't know if uh, their mom has had to separate them. I was going to ask him and ask her. But I know they've been busy this week, and it's been a great uh, time of fellowship for them. So that's great. It's always an honor to be up here, and it's always, always a pleasure to worship and learn here at Calvary Chapel with you guys. I want to welcome you. If you're new or you're visiting, if you're on live stream today, welcome to today. It's great to be here. So let's pray, and we'll get started. Lord God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Father, that we are free and redeemed through your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we need you. Teach us through your word. Give us insight, clarity, understanding as we try to navigate this crazy world. Enlighten us and encourage us. In your name we pray, amen. So when I say the word pattern, pattern, what do you think? Well, there's patterns in the rug that we're on. There's patterns on the tile out in the foyer. There's patterns in music, patterns in math, patterns in science. My daughter is making a dress, so she got a pattern. There's weather patterns. Football receiver run past patterns. There's patterns that are huge in space with the planets. There's patterns that are tiny in our DNA that God designed for replication. And our patterns mentioned in Scripture? Well, they are. In 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul instructs Timothy, do not let anybody think little of you because you are young. Be their ideal. Be a pattern for them with your love, your faith, and your clean thoughts. So Paul instructed Timothy to be a living pattern. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Jesus said, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. As I have forgiven you, so you must forgive one another. And the Lord said in Leviticus 11, be holy, for I am holy. God designed us to recognize and learn from patterns. This can be a good thing, right? But it can be terrifying. Do you know that you are being watched and somebody is looking to you to be a pattern? It's especially true for those that we influence or those that are under our care. Good or bad, do parents set a pattern for children? When Nicole and I started having kids, this scared us to death, and it still does. And it was about 20, 25 years ago, when our kids were really little, that we were praying for God to show us a pattern that would help us have his vision for our family, because we needed it. Something to teach us and help us and disciple us and our kids. So we read books, we listened to sermons, we read the word, we asked, we prayed, and nothing really nailed it until one day. One day, a husband and wife team came to our church, and they shared something that really changed our lives. They read a stretch of scripture that they said they used for a pattern for their family, and they described how much of a blessing it had been, and how it had discipled them, <clears throat> and trained them, and encouraged them. So if you turn with me to Colossians, we'll stand and read the word, and we'll read it together. It's Colossians 3, verse 12 through 17. Now I'm going to be reading from the NIV because that's where we were at the time. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, 
holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And above all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, when we heard that, our jaws hit the floor, and we about fell backwards in our chairs because we said, that's it. That is the verse. That God was calling us to use this verse as a foundational principle for the identity of our family. He's used many others. He's taught us in many ways, of course, but he was calling us to, to know this and do our best to live it and be transformed to it. Now, I want to say a couple things about what I'm going to say today. My wife told me this morning that this stretch of scripture can be preached 10 different times and you'll get 10 different messages. Now, I'm going to be coming to you from the perspective of a parent, largely, because that's where we've been. The other thing is, there's a lot here. This is part of scripture that is just really rich and needs to be gone over many times. I, sometimes I view scripture as, as somebody who takes a big barrel of rice and is pouring it into another barrel of rice, and you have your hand out, and you grab a handful, and you take it away. And that's what you get that day, but that's how much is left. And then it gets poured back into the other barrel, and you put your hand out again, and you grab another handful, and you take it out. So we, we need to go to the scriptures over and over again, because God has a lot for us there. We're not going to go to every, into everything in depth here. There's just not time, but I will highlight something. So we continued with this verse, and we, we committed to memorizing it and bringing it up often, grabbing handfuls of rice as often as we could. And I'm, I, just, I won't do justice today as how much the Lord has taught us and conformed us through this verse, but we'll go through, through some of it. Um, we've had just a multitude of talking points of conviction, of life lessons. So we repeat it often. We just, had it, we just said it at a uh, devotion time a couple weeks ago. And I, I'm pretty sure Pastor Ben's family has done the same thing with this verse. They've, they've taken this verse into their family. So let's walk through it. Well, first of all, when we see therefore, what are we supposed to do? Let's back up. Let's back up and see what the prior verses say. So in verses 1 to 11, Paul is saying this. Essentially, he's saying, you are a new person. You, are, you have a new life. You are not the same as you were. You belong to the creator now. Therefore, and he lists a bunch of things not to do. Therefore, don't do these things. These are things you need to die to. And then in verse 12, he says, therefore, and here are things to do. And that's what we're going to go through today. These are things to do, qualities of Christian living. And verse 1 says, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Holy and dearly loved. This is a great source of what our identity should be. Now, you have an opinion of yourself. Others certainly have opinions of you. Others which it will try to tell you what your identity is and what it should be. So who should you listen to? How about we listen to the one who made us? As believers, God's, God says these things about you, that you belong to him, you are in his family, you are loved, and you are highly thought of. Maybe you came here today or are watching today and you needed to hear that. Who doesn't need to hear that? Our children need to hear that. You belong, you are loved, and you are well-regarded. That is our identity in Christ, which is an important place to start. 
because our identity is so important. Our identity determines everything about what we think and do. And it's a great reminder for all of us and what our kids need to hear often. Clothe yourself with, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourselves. That means put on. Now, it looks like all of you decided to clothe yourselves today. I appreciate that, being up here. But Paul is saying that these virtues are essential for Christian living and our Christian walk. But we may need help. You married guys, do you need help clothing yourselves? When you come out of your room, clothed a certain way, heading for a social engagement, do you ever get a comment that, really, that's what you're going to wear? I see your looks. And don't think for a second that I didn't ask my fashion consultant what to wear today. It's okay. God will help us clothe ourselves properly too. And apparently, he's got a dress code. So let's look at these. Let's look at these five qualities that come up next. Compassion. Now, the King James says, instead of using the word compassion, it says bowels of mercy. And I didn't go with that today because I didn't want to try that. Sorry, BJ. I'm going to stick with compassion. Compassion is showing concern for the sufferings or misfortune of others. Showing concern for the sufferings or misfortune of others. Are we looking to comfort somebody in their time of need, or are we so wrapped up in ourselves that we don't even notice that we are indifferent? Now, some of you are really gifted in this area, and it's amazing to me. It's beautiful. And the Lord has really had to develop in me new levels of compassion. He can expand our compassion. I work as a pharmacist, and I'm around sick people all day long. And they come from waiting in Dr. Strobach's office for three hours, and they come to me, and they're pretty crabby, and they don't feel good, and they need some compassion. And I got to tell you, when it's streaming all day long, every day, boy, a heart, a heart can get really hard and really indifferent very fast. And the Lord has continually had to remind me to expand my compassion and to see the needs of others and not just be wrapped up in myself. Being compassionate can start right at home. How about our spouses? Being compassionate with them, with our kids. How about being compassionate with our neighbors? My wife's great at that one. Teaching kids to be compassionate with a hurting sibling. I know, I know this. When, I, when, the, when, when the kids are in another room and I'm within listening distance and I hear two distinct sounds, I know there's problems. Laughing and crying. Whenever there's laughing and crying in the same room at the same time, it never turns out well. It's usually a chance for a little teaching problem resolving. Usually there's some, some unsympathetic child in action. But we can do the same thing. Romans 12 says this, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Compassion's a great thing for us. Kindness. What is kindness? Kindness is being considerate, being generous, being nice, being nice with words. Proverbs 16 says pleasant words are like a honeycomb sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Maybe writing a note, learning to share, doing somebody else's work for them, offering help to neighbors, remembering and teaching that God wants, to be, God wants us to be givers and not takers. There's so many great lessons for, for family life here, for parents and kids, and sometimes kids need a little nudge with this, with kindness. But do this. If you see a child being nice, tell them. Tell them you noticed. If you see somebody else doing a nice thing, tell them, you know what? I noticed that. I noticed that thing you did, and that was really nice. Has anybody ever told that to you? Isn't that encouraging? Kindness is really a universal language. Humility. Humility. We all know 
that humility is an ingredient of our Christian walk. It's a major ingredient of our Christian walk. The opposite of humility is what? It's pride. And pride is one of Satan's greatest tools against us, if not the greatest. C.S. Lewis says that pride is the greatest sin and not most evil. He says sin is like bad breath. Everybody else knows you have it except yourself. If we don't regularly clothe ourselves with humility, which, by the way, Peter says to do also, clothe yourself with humility, pride can just about undermine every part of our Christian ministry and our Christian witness. A very helpful verse that uh, is a great memory verse to remember is Philippians 2, 3 through 5, which says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others, others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. And it's a great exercise to consider and to teach to our children what is vain conceit. What is ambition? Do nothing out of personal ambition, ambition or vain conceit or selfish ambition. What does that mean? What does that look like? What does it look like to consider somebody else better than yourselves? Boy, can that not be used in the world today? Lots of great talking points here. And the bottom line is this. In 1 Peter 5 and other places, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I don't want God to oppose me. I don't know about you. But God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. It's a great checkpoint all the time, is humility. Gentleness. Oh, gentleness. The opposite of gentleness is harshness. And the scriptures have a lot to say about gentleness. First Peter 3.15 says, you know this verse, always be prepared to give an answer for those who ask for the hope you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Proverbs 15 says, a gentle answer calms wrath, but a harsh answer stirs up anger. And, and as a dad, a one who wants to teach and, and represent the Lord in my home, the one that gets me and has always gotten me is Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16 says, sweetness of the lips increases learning. Sweetness of the lips increases learning. Who are your favorite teachers? Think about your favorite teachers. Were they, were they harsh or were they gentle? Harshness just doesn't work. And the Lord has te- had to teach me a lot about this, especially around girls. Now, I didn't grow up with girls at all in my home. My siblings were much older than me. My parents both went to work. I had a very quiet house, and I kind of enjoyed the quiet. And I wasn't around girls. And when we had our first child, she was a beautiful girl. And I asked God, what am I supposed to do with this? And you know what he said? He said, you better learn fast, because four more are coming your way. I have daughters. And I've had to learn what gentleness means to girls. It's different from boys. I also have one boy. Um, and my wife has really helped me with this. And I've learned, the Lord, the Lord has taught me so much, and he's taught me mostly through my failures. One time, years ago, I had uh, put sealer treatment on our, our bricks out front, on our pavers that are in front of our entryway. And I told the kids, stay off the sealer, stay off the bricks. It takes two or three hours to dry, and you need to stay off, the, stay that, stay off of it. Well, guess what happened a little while later? I walked out, and I saw footprints going right through the sealer. And I knew who did it by the size of the footprint. And I went to that little girl, and I let her have it. I said, didn't you listen to me? What is the matter with you? I told you to stay off the bricks. I can't believe you did that. And I was very harsh. And I made her feel about that big. And I walked away, and the Lord reminded me of this verse. Because, you see, the sad part is I'd been meditating on this verse. And it took about five minutes And the Lord was just like, 
well done, good and faithful servant. And then it was my turn to feel about that big. And I went and apologized. We had restoration. And, but the Lord wasn't done with me. Because you know what happens when little footprints run through sealer and run th- onto asphalt? You know what Thompson's water seal does in asphalt? It doesn't go away. And there were little footprints into that, in that asphalt. And every time, for about the next month, I went away from the house, I drove away and drove home. Those little footprints were in that driveway. And God reminded me every time at what a jerk I could be and how much I needed him. So it was a great lesson. We can really learn a lot through our failures. I, I have to have a constant reminder. In, it, it, in my, um, my car, what the Lord is working on me, I'll put a letter. I'll put a letter on my dash. And for a long time, the last couple of years, I had a, a G up there, uh, just a G. I didn't tell anybody what it was, and the kids were trying to guess. What is that? Goodness? Grace? Like, nope, nope, I wouldn't tell them. I, I didn't want to know. It was just for me. Just remember, I need gentleness, and my girls need me to be gentle. Patience. Patience is the fruit of the Spirit for a reason. And you know what? It's got so many layers that I'm just going to say this. In your life, has the Lord been patient with you? Think about it. Has the Lord been long-suffering with you over the course of your life? Shouldn't we, in turn, be patient with others in our lives, with our spouses, our children, our co-workers, with God? Amen? So I, I call these, for me, the big five. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And if you want to swallow a great big humble pill in the night when you lay down to bed, ask the Lord to go over those five things with you and see how you did. Do like Roger was saying, Psalm 139. Lord, examine me. Search me and know my heart. See if there's any wicked way within me. Now there's some things he may say, well done, good and faithful servant. But were we five for five? Were we three for five? Were we two for five? It's pretty humbling and it's good. Moving on. Bear with one another. I love this one. It's not a concept, concept I've seen too many places in Scripture. Bear with one another. In other words, put up with one another. It's as simple as that. We've been cooped up a lot lately. And does somebody in your life do things to irritate or bother, bother you? How about your spouse, your kids, your coworkers? Do you have kids that irritate each other? It's pretty normal. Paul is saying here, look, don't be so easily offended. Don't be bothered so much, or don't be so, so thin-skinned. Expand your tolerance a little bit. Bear with one another. Don't be quick to complain about somebody else's behavior. Let it go. Now, certainly there's times to intervene and, and have, a, have a behavior changed, but I would say that a majority of conflict in our homes are eligible for forbearance. Maybe we need to pray about letting it go. It may take prayer, teaching our kids, but bearing with one another can promote harmony, humility, relationships, and it can be a great witness. And the Lord can develop this in us. Now, like I said, I grew up in a very quiet house, and I, but I found out that the average woman speaks 20,000 words a day. I have a wife and five girls. You do the math. And one son. But it didn't come all at once, you know, and the Lord has, has taught me over, over the years that to, to delight in the noise, to delight in the, the voices, to delight in every word. And he's done that. You know, when, um, when, when loud and noisy kids come into the pharmacy, sometimes the staff is like, we got to get those kids out of here. we got to get those at the front of the line. Those kids are driving me crazy. And I'm like, what, what kids? Are the kids here? <laughs> because I've been conditioned now to delight in noise, delight in the joyful noise. 
And you know what's going to happen is in a few years when there's silence, I'm going to miss it, right? Farnham's? <laughs> there is a purpose in bearing with one another. Is the Lord trying to develop, to develop something in you through your irritations? Good question. Okay, forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And I'm not going to have time to give this justice today, but obviously forgiveness is a key to our Christian life. And there is a standard here. As the Lord, forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's a pretty high standard. Has not the Lord forgiven us a massive amount? Shouldn't we in turn generously offer forgiveness to others around us? And again, there's great teaching points and talking points for for our children and great points for us to remember. Above all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. So all this is meaningless without love. The scriptures say without love, we are like a clanging cymbal, you know, like in a band. We're just making a loud, obnoxious noise. And love is the great unifier. Love wins. And it binds everything together in life. The love of Christ. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You know, this is a great checkpoint for us. Does the peace of Christ rule in our hearts? And if not, why not? Maybe it's a good time to look backwards in our life and see what is robbing us of that peace. Are there things in the world today to rob us of that peace? I can name about 20 things right now that can distract us from the Lord and focus too much on the world. And a great checkpoint is to ask ourselves, does the peace of Christ rule in my life? A good reminder is in this same chapter, chapter 3, verse 2, that says, set your mind on things above, not things of the world. Set your mind on things above and not things of the world. It's a good place to start. God wants his peace to rule in us. And be thankful. Be thankful. Do you think that thankfulness is important to God? Well, just in this set of scripture alone, it's brought up three times. Being thankful and grateful. Do you like listening to ungrateful people? We have so much to be thankful for, but it's so easy to forget that and to complain. And a story I once heard illustrates this. There was a guy who wanted to bless his neighbor. So one day, he decided he's going to take $100 to the neighbor. So he walks out his door, he goes out on the sidewalk, goes up to the door, knocks on the door, the guy answers, and he says, hey, I, I just want to tell you, I want to bless you today, here's $100. And the neighbor was very surprised. He said, why do you give me $100? And he goes, I just want to bless you. He goes, you know, I don't need the $100, I'm good, I, I'm, I'm okay. No, I just want to bless you, please just, just keep it. Okay, I'll keep the $100. The second day, he goes out and goes to the neighbor again, and gives him another $100. And the guy's like, you know what, you don't have to do this. I, I, I'm okay, you don't have to give me the $100. And, no, I want to give you the $100. And he continues this. And after a couple weeks, the guy's kind of looking, for, hey, I'm going to get my $100 today. And he's starting to count on it a little bit. For 30 days, he gives the neighbor $100. The 31st day, he decides, the, the guy decides he's going to bless the person two houses down. And he walks out his sidewalk and goes to the next house down and passes by the guy he's been giving money to. And the guy sees him, and he sees him giving the money to the other neighbor. And what do you think he said? Where's my $100? What's the matter with you? I can't believe it. What a jerk you are. Where is my $100? And I bring up that story because we can be that way so often with God. We have been given so much. We have been giving so much grace and so many blessings. We've been giving new life. We've been giving eternal life. And we can complain about when our $100 goes to somebody else. 
I just love that story. It just is, is good. As you notice, I like illustrations. They're, they're good for me. I, I can put my brain around those. I think God just wants us to say thank you. Say thank you. Say thank you to him. Say thank you to others. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, I think that these are nine of the most important words of all the scripture. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So much so that if you walk into our house, right in our, our living room, there's a sign up there that says that. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Colossians 3.16. As a reminder to us, if we could, in faith, in the Lord, in submission to him, live this out, the Lord has great promises for us. The issues of life will make sense. Our convictions will be firm. Our relationships will be sweeter. Our faith will grow. Are we giving the word of God its proper place in our lives? Now to dwell here, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Dwell means permanent residence. It doesn't mean like going to a hotel room, staying one night and leaving and forgetting about it. Dwell means permanent residence. Are we making God's word permanent resident in our lives? What does that look like? Well, it means to do whatever it takes, whatever floats your boat, whatever your learning style is. Maybe it means... To, to read the word, memorize the word, meditate, journal, listen, listen to the word, listen to Christian speakers, listen to music, listen to an app, whatever it takes. God is calling us to make the word of God the center of our lives. Whatever it takes to make the word of God part of our DNA. Now, family verses can be very powerful and useful. We memorize verses as a family. It, gives, it brings up so many talking points and so many teachable moments and you learn together. It helps form a family identification. And we have really been blessed to have family verses in our home. And it's great to do. Encourage kids to memorize scripture. Take the time to explain their meaning. Don't underestimate your kids. I'm always amazed when kids are in a play and they learn lines and lines and lines of dialogue. Well, it's just expected. They learn all this dialogue during the play, they perform the play. And, okay. But kids learn one line of scripture, and everybody's like, oh my gosh, that's so unusual. I can't believe it. Your kids don't know a verse. And they just, they just learned 100 pages of dialogue in a play. And our kids can have a great capacity for, for remembering scripture. And it's important to explain the context and, and the meaning and the relationship involved. But you get the idea. We should celebrate scripture memorization. If, if our family memorizes a verse together and we've mastered it, go out to Dairy Queen. Celebrate it. We celebrate sports and education and all these other things. Why don't we celebrate knowing scripture? It's a great unifier. It's a big deal, and it's vitally important. Amen? It's a good pattern. Next verse. As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And this is a carryover of the prior verse. As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Now, if I advise you or try to convince you of something with my opinion or my conjecture, what can happen? It can turn into a debate really fast. You can, you can give me your opinion back and we can debate and when we might uh, fall into an argument and nobody might be convinced of anything. But what if I advised you with God's word? Then all of a sudden it's not just between you and me, it's between you and God. And, and that's powerful. <clears throat> and that's what what this verse is saying. Teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through the word of God. And parents, if we're relying only on getting compliance from our children because just because dad says so, or do it because mom says so, you know that's not going to last. 
they're going to get to a certain age, and they're going to move on, and they're, they're going to be on their own, and they're going to forget those things. But if we teach them with God's word and encourage them with God's word, then it turns into, well, God says so. And that stays with us, hopefully. This is just great stuff. Hopefully they take it with them. Okay, next line. As you sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. As you sing psalms, hymns, and songs, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Now, some of you are very musical, and it's very admirable. My wife and I are not musical, but we love music. Our kids are. Our kids are, are wonderful musicians, but um, the Lord wants us to pay attention to songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. Music is powerful. Do we listen to, to music, to Christian music? Are we surrounding ourselves with, with good music? Are we singing now, in our devotion times, we, we just made up a little hymnal at home. There's a website called cyberhymnal.com, and they've got all the, the lyrics to all the hymns. And, and we just printed a bunch out and put it in the book, and the kids have contributed to it, and we sing. And a couple of us are off tune every day, at least, but it's beautiful. And those, the lyrics in those hymns, you guys, have you noticed how beautiful they are? The lyrics are so wonderful and deep. And when you sing it out, I love singing all the verses to Amazing Grace. I kind of get irritated when they, when they cut to the end and they miss out the, those, you know, it's like, no, those are great verses. Don't leave out the whole middle part of Amazing Grace. It's really sweet. Music is great. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in his name. Boom. There it is. This is the reason we do all of this. It's not for our glory, it's for his. It's all for him and all about him. Wherever we go, whatever we say, like it or not, we are representing the Lord. And this is a great checkpoint. Again, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Are we doing things that are offensive to God? Is this thing I'm doing about him or about me? It's a great reminder that we are always representing him and that we should act accordingly. Amen? So Colossians 3, 12 through 17 has been an amazing pattern for us. And I just, I can't state enough how much the Lord has blessed us and transformed us and convicted us. And patterns in the, in the scriptures are powerful. We moved on to other scriptures. Maybe you have other scriptures. This is just the one the Lord has given to us. And, and maybe you should consider it. Paul said this, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. <clears throat> we need good patterns, and sometimes it's, 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 it's challenging. Um, some of you know I like to golf, and I don't know if you've heard that, but uh, golf is hard. And over the years, I've taken lessons here or there, uh, but this last year, my buddy Kirk Parnham, right there, raise your hand, <clears throat> Kirk uh, convinced me to go take a golf lesson up at this place called Golf Tech. And Golf Tech is a, is a place up, at, up in Seattle. And what they do is they, they hook you up and they video, video you and all these things. And you know, all these years I'd never watched my golf swing. But a small part of me believed that it looked a little like Tiger Woods. I, I just thought it. I felt it. I believed it. I just, I just felt like at time, you know, I, I just felt like my golf swing looked great. Well, guess what? They hooked me up and videotaped me. They played the video and I was horrified. I didn't look anything like Tiger Woods. I looked a lot like John Wiley. And then they, they start breaking down your angles 
And they start breaking down the little parts, and they, they slow it down. And they say, now here, look, right here, that looks okay, but boy, right there, it falls, you just fall apart. That doesn't look good at all. It's very, very, very humbling. And, and it, was, it was shocking to see how bad I looked. That was the plan. <laughs> and then just to pile on and to complete the humiliation, they do a split screen, and they put a professional golfer right next to you. And they slow motion their swing, and they slow motion your swing simultaneously. And you're like, oh my gosh. I, I, I'm, I'm terrible. I mean, this is, this is terrible. And, and it was very, very, very humbling. I, I, I drove home just a broken man. I'm just like, this is, this is really bad. I have so far to go. But I had felt like up to that point that I was doing pretty good. In my, beliefs, in my belief system, I thought I was doing well, but I hadn't seen myself. And isn't that what we do here? Isn't that what this is for? When, when put up against perfection, we don't look so good. And we need that. We need patterns of, of, of perfection in our lives to conform to. There are patterns in here for you and for me, just like that golf video. We may believe that we're doing okay. We may believe that we look like Tiger Woods. We may believe that we're this great Christian person. Go to the scriptures. Ask God to reveal in you if there is any wicked way. He'll probably find something. We need patterns. And the scriptures are a great pattern for us. The good news is there are lots of patterns in here. And there's one specifically, or many specifically for you. Amen? All right. Let's close in prayer. Lord God, we just we thank you for your patience with us, your long-suffering with us. We thank you for the, the patterns in scripture that you've given us, that we can live by, that we can purpose to conform our will to yours. But we need you, Father. We need you to do a work in us. Show us the way and reveal to us the things we need to change and help us to, to live by your pattern and not ours. And we pray, amen.